We are continuing to celebrate an amazing week here. Surf's Up, main event, over 300 kids, but 150 people serving all week long. Can we thank the Lord for what he's done? I was told that about 24% of the kids don't have a church family, don't have a church home. For the first time, they're stepping into a church, hearing about Jesus, and I listened as one of them was talking to the friend who does go to our church, and the person who is new, the child who is new, turned to the friend and said, I like your church. And you could just tell that this, you know, child from the community coming here for the first time, not sure what it's going to be like, really sense the love of Jesus and the love from other people. And that's what we have at our church. That's what we do together is we draw near to Jesus, welcome and bring his love into our relationships where we live, work, learn, or play. And we saw that played out at camp all week. I mean, camp has its challenges. You know, it gets messy sometimes, but it was amazing. And it was just one of those times you just feel like this is what it's all about right here. All, all generations serving together. So thank you uh, for your prayers this week as well as we we're doing it together. We're in a series right now, the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter one. And in this series, these are messages from Jesus. Jesus communicates in the book of Revelation. There are words that he is saying that sometimes people skip over. This is a book that a lot of people hide from, skip over, and there are blessings in this book to hear this word and then to walk with Jesus also, this is a book where sometimes it gets unnecessarily strange. People take this sideways and it's not what the Bible says. And they use this book as a license for lots of false teaching and just some whacked stuff. Uh, I was hearing it this week about what about when people said Jesus was going to come back in the 1980s and they said that was in Revelation. It's like, I know people have twisted and manipulated this book all over the place. We don't want to skip this book. We don't want to go sideways with this book. We want to be solid. And to do that, we're spending two weeks on the first chapter because it's the foundation of the book and it's so important to start with a solid foundation. Also, I, I know all of us are so grateful for our country. And the freedoms we have here, the blessings we have here, the people that have served our country. And let's continue to thank God for our nation. Uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for America. Thank you for your goodness and your patience to us. Thank you for the freedom to worship you. God, we pray for healing in our land. There's a lot of pain. There's division. Lord, we pray for our entire country to see your goodness, to turn to you, to to return to you as well, Jesus. And we pray, God, that you would do an amazing work in our country. We are thankful for America. We pray that truly we would be all you've designed us to be and bless the nations with the blessings you've poured out in our lives. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you listening to Jesus? Listening closely to his words? Spiritual maturity is linked to how well you listen to Jesus and how willing you are to do what he says. If you listen to the Lord and do what he says, your house will be like a house on the rock and not the sand. That's true. It's a promise for all of us. Maybe you think about your own life and your house and your family on the sand or on the rock and which way it's going to go. But when you listen to the Lord and you follow him, it's a house on the rock. Abiding with Jesus and listening to Jesus are inseparable. If you're going to walk closely to him, this is a relationship, not religion and rules. It's going to involve listening to the Lord. Yes, talk to him, but also listen to God. Listening to Jesus is instrumental in our spiritual growth and in our spiritual maturity. 
And listening to him is a challenge in a noisy world. Francis Chan had a message recently and said, we're living right now at a time in our nation where people are consumed with their own thoughts. And they think if I just go inward and get more and more of me and all my thoughts and what I want, that will lead to peace because my thoughts are the ultimate. He said, actually, God makes it very clear that his thoughts and ways are above ours. So look to God and his thoughts and his ways that are above ours. Let's not be self-consumed, but let's be listening to this God who is good and wise and powerful. I'll tell you, the best way to listen to God is to spend time in the word. If you don't spend time in the word, you're going to end up with a bunch of your own thoughts and opinions and feelings and what other people are saying and what social media says and what the media says, and it just gets tiring. Amen? It's this swirling amount of noise and opinions and people venting and what are they feeling at this moment, and it's like, how can I just listen to Jesus? This is a book, the book of Revelation, that encourages us to really listen to the Lord right now. For the church to listen to the Lord, for us individually, as a nation, let's listen to Jesus. We're going to highlight three truths about listening to Jesus today. If you listen, Jesus will guide you and your church to be alive in the most difficult situations. Maybe the last two years have felt like some of the most difficult times in your life. You can be alive in the middle of that. If you're listening to Jesus, we see it with John and what he's going through. We start in verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see And send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. John is the human author. He writes five of the 66 books in the Bible. The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, short letters, and the book of Revelation. He's the human instrument. The Holy Spirit is the author of all of Scripture. And as John writes, he's on this island of Patmos. Geographically, it is 50 miles away from Ephesus. Ephesus is in present-day Turkey, Asia Minor back then. And he's writing to seven churches that are all really in a geographical circle right there, about 50 miles away, while he's on this small, rocky island island. He is being tortured. He's being mistreated. There's an injustice. He's on this island of Patmos, and we know exactly why he's on the island. He says it right here. It's because he believes Jesus, and he shares Jesus with the world. It's the word of God and the testimony. And he was living in a culture where they were killing Christians. He's the only remaining of the original 12 following Jesus. He's the only one that's alive that wasn't killed by this point. He knows the cost is high for following Jesus, and yet he says, I'm going to continue to believe. I will not deny Jesus, even if they kill me, and I'll continue to share Jesus with this world because he is our living hope. And I'm going to continue to believe and share Jesus no matter what the cost is. I want to point out very clearly that believing Jesus and sharing Jesus, you can't separate those two. Sadly, in America, we've thought, you know, I think I want to believe in Jesus, but not share Jesus, and that's how I'm going to do it. I want to tell you that's unbiblical. It's not like Christ, and it's really being ashamed and afraid of people. And deep down, 
There's a need to say, you know what, Jesus? I want to live like you and lead like you and love like you. And that includes believing Jesus and sharing Jesus. John isn't going to back down. He knows that's going to mean he might risk his life. But he's going to stay true to what he knows is true. And he's going to bring the hope that's above all hope. And sometimes there's a high cost in bringing hope to people. And because of that and the cruelty and the injustice, here he is on the island. He says, yet God gives us patient endurance. That phrase is throughout the book of Revelation. God will give you patient endurance. There's injustice. He might be killed. Socially, he's excluded. He's ostracized. Uh, He's going to be excommunicated. That's going to affect him financially, emotionally, physically. He's going to be tortured. He's going to go through all of this, but he's going to continue to abide with Jesus. And that's how he stays alive. That's how you can have life when the situation around you looks discouraging and full of despair. You can have life by abiding with Jesus. John keeps what's primary, primary. He focuses in. Have you identified what's primary in your life? Could you communicate what's primary in your life? John says, you know, as he's going through life, this is what's going to matter to him as we read this book. He is faithful. He's listening to Jesus. He's going to say yes to the assignment God's given him, which includes writing. We've got maybe some writers, some authors in this room. And being faithful to God is using that gift. He's going to write some things down. He's going to build up the church. That's primary. Build up the church. He's on fire for God, and he's going to tell other people about God. That's all primary. And that's what he focuses on. Now, what's secondary? He doesn't get consumed with what's secondary. What's secondary in life is still important. It has some importance, but it's not primary. What he could focus on here is Domitian. From 81 to 95 you know, AD, Domitian is killing Christians. He's cruel. He could focus on that and just talk about politics all day long. That's not what he's going to do. He could talk about the mistreatment, the terrible food in Patmos. Don't read about that in this. Uh, He could talk about, I don't know how long I'm going to be mistreated. He said, I don't know if they're going to beat me again. I don't know what's coming. He could focus on so many secondary things, but instead, John keeps what's primary, primary. A temptation for us in this day is to focus on what's secondary. If we focus on what's secondary, we're going to be consumed with who did you vote for and who did you not vote for. And if you didn't vote for this person, then I'm not talking to you. And I'll tell you all that's secondary. We could be consumed with the pandemic or do you wear a mask or don't you wear a mask and let's make that everything and then I'm going to cancel you if you don't agree with me. That would be secondary. We can talk about gas prices. Now I'm really meddling right here. We could talk about gas prices and mortgage rates going up and I- All that's secondary. We could talk about the weather and there's more, where's the sunshine and that 90 degree weather? Like that would be secondary. Because no matter what the weather is this weekend, I'm going to be thanking God for our country and loving the people around me. No matter what the gas prices are, I'm going to give my tithe and my offering. What's secondary doesn't stop. What's primary, you got to know the difference. You say, well, what if you don't know the difference? What's going to happen? I went for a walk this morning as I was on the trail, like an early Sunday walk, and I heard this noise I've never heard before. And it sounded like some kind of voices shrieking. And it was pretty close to where I was walking, 
But there's so many trees and shrubs, I couldn't see anything that was coming. So I stopped and I just waited and listened. It was fierce. It was shrieking. It sounded angry. It sounded like a vicious fight. And I had no idea what was happening until when I was watching that area where I heard the noise, I saw raccoons running across the trail, going after each other like they wanted death. And they were squealing and screaming and going after each other. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you don't have to be doing that, raccoons. And at the same time, I thought, and I don't think I want a part of that either. And I'll be content to walk the other direction. You know what noise we've heard the last two years is followers of Jesus fiercely squealing, going after each other like death over secondary stuff. And I got to tell you, I'm not a raccoon, so I don't understand everything in the raccoon tribe, but I knew enough to say, raccoons, you don't have to be doing that. And I think a believing, unbelieving world around looks at believers and kind of thinks you don't have to be doing that. And if you're going to keep doing that, then you know what? I don't think I want to be around that. I don't think I like the sound in that church. I don't think I like the sound in that Bible. I'm just going to step back from the way you're going after each other on secondary issues. And don't sometimes we just need to repent. And don't sometimes we just need to say, God, Let me walk with you, Jesus. Let me walk with your love, your truth. And God, help me to keep what's primary, primary. And when you do, you will be alive. You will shine in a culture that's looking for hope. John does that here from the island of Patmos. He's telling the seven churches, I know it's difficult. I know you've lost family members who've been killed because of their faith. I know it's stacked up against you. I know the authorities want to take you down too. But you can still be alive because Jesus is the living one and he's greater than the challenges you face. He's going to implore the seven churches to be healthy and be all God's designed them to be. And I'll tell you right now, you in our church and the churches across the sound can be all God has designed us to be. But we need to keep primary, primary. Well, what does that look like? Primary is blessing people. God has blessed us to bless other people. That's why for a long time now, we've been sharing blessed stories. That's waking up in the morning and saying, God, who can I bless? Who can I bless around me? My friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, co-workers. God, who do you want me to bless today? And we hear blessed stories. You know, this last week is continued celebration that we are building up the next generation here at our church. During the pandemic, you know what's happened? More and more kids are coming here. And that's kids, that's middle school, that's high school. More of our church family is saying, I want to step up. I want to serve the kids. I want to help out with the kids. More and more. Why? Because that next generation, their walk with God is primary. It's not secondary. What else? We have drive-through prayer. It's been over a year now. This last Friday, I joined the team. And in front, I just held a sign on Auburn Way for about two hours, just holding the sign and just giving that or doing that and pointing people to pull in and drive through our church parking lot, pray with some people. You know what I noticed after probably making eye contact with over a thousand people, you know, just holding that sign one after another, I noticed that there's a lot of people on their phones on Auburn Way who are driving. That's a side note. That's a side note. Okay, if that convicts you, if that helps you out, that's good. But I was just surprised how many people are just driving like that on their phones. So that stood out to me. Uh, But in addition, um, more importantly than that, you know, just, just a way 
wave, to see some people, and then to see them drive in the parking lot, and then to see them be prayed for, and then to hear that one of those people put their trust in Jesus, you know, on Friday night. And I just think, wow, uh, we all together get to bless other people in many different ways as a church family. And we intentionally want to do this. Digital ministry, the elders made a decision at the start of the pandemic. We need to strengthen our outreach digitally. And by God's grace, we've been reaching dozens of millions of people. We've seen thousands put their trust in Jesus. And that's intentional. It's primary stuff. International students, we are so grateful for the students that come from Green River. We love them. They're in homes. They're joining Alpha. They're getting to hear about God's love. It is so wonderful and special. God loves people from all nations and we love this. Compassion Clinic, we just had this about a week ago joining in with other churches and this is meeting medical and dental needs. I want to share a video of two thank yous and the audio isn't super clean because it's at an event, but listen to the thank you in the hearts uh, from these two people right here. Yeah, hi, my name is Adolfo Benitez. I was seen here with my mother today so you got some dental... Uh, some dent, some teeth removed, and he has did a great job. It was done easily, and it was a great experience. And I recommend anybody to come here and look at the services. And I feel like you'll be very welcome. And I just want to say thank you to you, to you guys. My name is Victor. I'm an interpreter here at the free clinic for refugees. We are the people here from Ukraine who came here to this center today to receive free medical services, dental and other services. So there is many more people, refugees from Ukraine, who are here because of the war. So we want to thank God for his provision and his blessings. And thank you, the people who organized this beautiful event. God bless you all. That's it. That's it. What you hear is a son who says, I'm able to bring my mother here today so she could have some teeth removed in dental work. What you hear is an interpreter who says, this family behind me, refugees from Ukraine, and they don't have access to some of the medical help that's needed, the dental help, and they're just saying, thank you for providing this. When you listen to Jesus... You listen to his voice, and you listen to what's primary, and then you bless other people. In the middle of most difficult circumstances, you are full of life, and you bring his hope in life. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, not just in this building, but everywhere you go. Listening to Jesus is primary. And then second, we have, if you listen, you will find the real and full Jesus. So update and upgrade your view. Update. Sometimes on my phone, I'll get a warning. It says, uh, well, actually, it's an invitation that says, there's something available. It's better than what you have. Uh, Go ahead. This is available. And I will update my phone for the latest protection, the latest features. There's an update. Upgrade, you know, at a hotel. Sometimes I've been there, and they have me facing towards the noisy freeway, and the beach is on the other side. I say, could I get a room on the other side? Could I upgrade over to that other side with a different view. And we all have a view of Jesus. We all came into this room with the view of Jesus and what we all need because we need to see Jesus for who he is in the fullness, the real Jesus, not who we want him to be. And the only way that happens is if we spend time in the word and see who he really is. John has a vision of Jesus, I think, that changes his life. 
and listen. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. What is John saying? First seven golden lampstands. We read in this chapter, it's the seven churches. A golden sash. The high priest would wear a golden sash when they were going to represent the people. And there's need for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is our great high priest. The high priest back in the day, they would offer something as a partial covering of some type. Jesus offers full forgiveness. He is the one who's fully God and fully human. And we have the forgiveness of sins through him. Then white hair representing godly wisdom. Some of you are feeling a little better about having some white hair. Now, now that you know Jesus' hair right here is white, godly wisdom, that's not sounding so bad. His eyes are like blazing fire when you look into them. He's returning, bringing justice and judgment as well. His voice thunders like the mighty ocean. Maybe you've been by the ocean and been amazed at the thunder of the waves. His voice thunders Bronze feet representing strength. His mouth has a double-edged sword. That same word for sword is the sword used by the Romans in warfare. There is a battle coming and his face is bright like the sun, the brilliance of the sun. And when I read about the resurrected Jesus who's returning in this passage and I think about all of the different paintings and images I've ever seen of Jesus, I very rarely See this image. Would you agree of all the images that you see of Jesus, this is very rarely the one that comes to mind or the one that's portrayed? Now, Jesus was in a manger, and that's wonderful, and we celebrate that, and that's part of what he's done. He came to earth, God in a body, God with us. But when I get to heaven, I don't think I'm going to see the baby Jesus. I was at a seminary where there was a statue of Jesus washing feet, and that's amazing and powerful. But when I come before Jesus, I don't think he's going to be there washing feet in heaven. When I think about Jesus dying on the cross, there's no greater love and sacrificial love. But Jesus today is not on a cross. He's not in a grave. He instead is at the right hand of the Father, and he's going to return. The resurrected Jesus, do you have a vision of the fullness of Jesus and who he is right now? And it's throughout the Bible. I look at some of these verses, starting in Daniel. Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. And this is what he said. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Again, the name for Jesus in the Bible. One of the names, son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days, was led into his presence... Jesus was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Look at this next passage in Matthew. Now, in this, we see John is experiencing Jesus 
in more of his glory. This is the transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of Jesus, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. This personal, intimate time with the Lord. This is before his death and resurrection. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. One more to consider. This is Paul, who was Saul, was killing Christians against Jesus until he had a new view of Jesus, the resurrected Lord. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around Saul. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And again, in all three instances, we get glimpses of the resurrected Jesus and the one who's going to return. Why is that so important? Because Jesus is who he is, or you try to make him out to be who he's not. And at the crux of many spiritual decisions in America right now, at the crux, who is Jesus? Is Jesus who he says he is, or is he who I want him to be? Does God's word make it clear what God says? Or do I want something different than God's word so I'm going to decide what the truth is? And that is a massive decision. Today in your heart, you could turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to worship you for who you are and I want to trust you for what you've said. Forgive me for creating a false view of you or maybe it's a view that just is not complete enough, and I've been stubborn in that. See, some people don't know this passage in Revelation. Some people don't know about Jesus and who he is right now. And what an opportunity to hear and then to worship him. But there's others who know this and just don't want to include this in their view of Jesus. Say, well, this isn't easy to think through. You know what? There's going to be a final showdown. There is a real devil an antichrist and a false prophet, a false trinity. And when Jesus returns, just the power of his word is like a sword. He's going to win battles. And you know what? The devil's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus, who's returning, is so powerful. His word alone is greater than any opposition. You say, well, I've never thought through Jesus returning. I've just kind of kept him in the manger. I've just kind of kept him in my back pocket. He's not fitting in anyone's back pocket. So what do we do with that? Let's align with Jesus. Let's align with what God says. Let's not reject it and create our own. How much pride would it take to say, God, I'm not going to accept you and who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are. You say, well, that gets difficult to walk that walk. It does get difficult. I'll say this. Racism is wrong. And when I say that, it's usually from the conservative group that they'll have some serious pushback about what I just said. But I'll say racism is wrong because God says racism is wrong. And I'll say abortion doesn't align with scripture and I'll get some serious pushback from the predominantly more liberal group that, you know what, um, the pushback comes and yet I'm gonna say abortion doesn't align with scripture because that's what God says. And deep down, my goal is not to fit in with a conservative group or to fit in with a liberal group. My goal is to walk with Jesus and say what God says and trust him with the results and whatever cost that is, then the cost will be. 
What's important is to stay faithful to Jesus and to honor God and to stop fearing people and their opinions. Because yes, they're going to say stuff on social media and yes, they're going to misunderstand you. Just walk in love, walk in humility, align with Jesus. That's what God's called us to do for such a time as this. Here's the third truth about listening. If you listen, you will bow down in humility before the Lord and you will stand up in courage. And the two go together. The one who bows down before Jesus will be the most courageous, I believe, in this culture today. Now, John says 44 times, I saw, and that tells us God keeps giving him visions. God does communicate through visions and dreams. 44 times I saw, God wanted John to see this. God wanted John to write this down. God wants us to see these visions. And then also, John says, I bow at his feet. The book of Revelation will humble you. The book of Revelation, your pride is not going to like this book. The book of Revelation puts us in a position of worship. And John at that point, bowing down, hears from Jesus. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And after this majestic view of the holiness and power and justice of God, Jesus' kind and tender words are, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Jesus says, I am the living one. Even though I was dead, I'm alive. I hold the keys of death and Hades. So now stand up in courage. Look what he says in verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus has authority over death and hell. He holds the keys. You know, Simon Peter, when he realized Jesus' power and his holiness, said, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus offers grace and mercy to anyone who will come to him. Offers forgiveness. And he said, Simon Peter, you are going to start fishing for people instead of fish. I'm giving you a new purpose. And then he said to Peter, Peter, your name's changing from Simon to Peter, Petrus, rock. You are going to be a rock Because you're going to abide with me, the church is going to be built up and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Do you know you are a priest? You have authority, responsibility, you have keys. And when you share Jesus, heaven's opened, heaven's already affirmed it, and more come to know the Lord. And so Peter's built up. We are built up. John's built up. John's probably in his 90s in this book. We probably have a couple people in this room who are in their 90s, which is Awesome. Love that. Multi-generational church. Now, someone told me, who's a little more seasoned in life, said, the older I get, the more I want things comfortable and the more I want things exactly how I want them. It's like, I commend you for that honesty. That is refreshing to hear. The older you get, you want things more comfortable and you want things exactly how you want them. It's like, okay, I appreciate that honesty again. Well, for John in his 90s, things are not going to get more comfortable and things are not going to be how he wants them. What are you going to do for all of us, all ages, if things don't get easier and in fact they get more hostile towards Jesus and God's word? What are you going to do in a culture that will more and more say right is wrong and wrong is right? What are you going to do in a culture where the persecution increases? What are you going to do? Are you still going to serve God when everything is not how you want it? 
when there's something going on is collectively and there's something that just isn't your favorite preference, what are you going to do? You know what a lot of Christians are doing these days? Well, then I'm just going to remove myself from church. I'm going to get really quiet. I'm going to create my own little bubble and I'm just going to be what I want it to be, how I want it to be. Of all ages, Christians are doing that right now. And I believe from John right here, the calling instead is to listen to Jesus, abide and be courageous. Continue to bow down to Jesus, build up the church and be courageous and bold with the good news and the hope that's above all hope. That's a biblical posture. God says, write therefore. Twelve times, John, write. Communicate. Text, call, email, have lunch with, share your heart. Write. Write a book. Write, John. Communicate. Build up the church. Where we're going in the book of Revelation, see chapter one's a foundation. Chapter two and three are the seven churches and the message Jesus has for them. Chapters 4 and 5 are worship before his throne. Chapters 6 through 19, this final showdown. Seals, trumpets, and bowls. In 20 to 22, new heaven, new earth, Jesus reigns forever. And we see Jesus face to face. That's the book of Revelation. But John has an assignment right now. You have an assignment right now in 2022. John's assignment is to talk to the seven churches, listen to Jesus, and then communicate. You know what? Five of these churches need a rebuke. And you probably have seven people in your life and maybe five of them, you're gonna share some things that are some hard conversations, but you're gonna do it humbly and honestly. John also is gonna build up all seven churches, bring promises, encourage them in the peace and presence of God. He's gonna help the churches be all they can be in a difficult time. And you know what? You have gifts and abilities and resources and talents. And in this hour, you can build up the church. You can build her up to all God's designed her to be. That's part of what John's doing. And continue to be bold with the good news of Jesus. I'll share this. I talked to someone who's in a position of leadership in a very well-known ministry, very, very well-known. And they're trying to figure out the times and understand the times and what they could do to bring hope and to connect with people. And so they've done thorough research. And to try to be objective, they found people who are experts in gathering information and doing research and surveys. And these people don't follow Jesus. So this is a Christian ministry that didn't want to try to have a bias or twist questions. And so had people who don't follow Jesus conduct all the research. And the person couldn't share with me everything, but they said, this is the one thing that stood out in our country right now, in all the different demographics, ages, ethnicities, different um, groups, subgroups in our nation. They said, this is the one thing that stands out. And this is coming from unbelievers. They said, the one thing that stands out is that people everywhere in our nation are willing and even ready to talk about Jesus. They might not want to talk about church stuff, but in our country right now, across all groups, people are willing to talk about Jesus. Ask them what they think. Share what you know. And they said, this just blew us away. We didn't expect these results in America right now. That's the time we're living in. Will you listen to Jesus and be faithful for such a time as this?